Welcome to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion and culture with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is the founder of the Brooklyn Circus, Ouija Theodore. Ouija and I talk about his life growing up in Brooklyn as a young immigrant from Haiti, and how through many careers and projects, he created the Brooklyn Circus with the goal to refine the image of urban America. It's a good one, folks. Let's get to it. Mr. Is it Ouija or Ouija? Ouija. Ouija Theodore. Theodore, yes. So I met you in 2009 or mm-hmm, 8, mm-hmm. maybe at the Angel Orianna's Center. What's that? For Capsule. Oh, Capsule. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, funny. You, you remember you Capsule? Did. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that show. No, no, no. I do remember Capsule for sure. Um, um, and I remember you, like, I saw you and I was like, that is the coolest looking dude uh, I have ever seen. And, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I was like, that dude doesn't want to talk to me. Nah. I was like, that dude, he's way <laughs> too cool all. for me. And I was like, nah, hey, I, I, run a, I run a blog. And you're like, oh, cool. That's great, man. What was, what was the blog at the time? Uh, <laughs> ah. It was called Start With Typewriters, which was basically oh, a really, man. I loved Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm, and his mm. comment that he would say about journalism and journalists is that I'm all in favor of keeping, of keeping dangerous items out of the hands of fools. Let's start with typewriters. Oh. Implying that, like, all writers are idiots. Idiots. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. But it was, like, nice. at the time when nice. everyone had their, you know, their business card set as founder and CEO, CEO and of blogger. a blog that <laughs> 10 people read. <laughs> I, was, I was probably blogging at the time, too, because we, we launched a blog. In 2000, we launched the brand in 2006, but launched the blog in 07. Okay. And it was all about, you know, it was because I was just tired of, you know, I mean, tired because I spent six months to a year chasing other blogs and other websites. And I was like, you know what? We're going to start our own blog. And if in three or four years we have the audience that we need to pump pump and promote our stuff, then so be it. And we went on and started blogging and a lot happened because of the blog. You guys crushed it because I think... At the time when I'd met you, I'd met you via Joshua Kissy. There you go. Street yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, those guys. I mean, they're still cool as hell. Cool. That's. I mean, love the guys. Love Josh. Love Trav. Yeah. I mean, they're doing different things. I mean, they kind of got their separate things going, and um, got the street etiquette thing still going. But I'm kind of sad about the fact that they're not really constantly or or on a daily working in the same room like they used right. to or in the same space mentally or uh, if anything but um Lennon and McCartney got to separate eventually right yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 shit happens you know the band must is banned yeah yeah um so one of the reasons why I want to have you on is to talk about the Brooklyn Circus mm-hmm. talk a little bit about you mm-hmm. how you ended up here because you are a true born and bred New Yorker and I guess I'll put an asterisk on board because you were yes. born in Haiti, correct? I was born in Haiti, yes. But grew up here. I came here at the age of eight. Right. I'm now 42. All right. So it's a lot of years in New York. I mean, I've seen, you know, all the best of the best in the 80s, in the 90s, in 2000s. So yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, bred, you know, not born, but, you know, you can say born and bred. New Yorker, for sure. For yeah. Sure. Brooklynite. Yeah. yeah. And because I, I think when I was talking to you about clothes the first time, you were telling me that um, cause I was trying to tell you about polo sport, like that I was, that I knew what I was talking about. And you were like, yeah, yeah. I was wearing that in high school. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like Brooklyn tech, man. And I was like, Oh, okay. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I was like, what's that school? Nah. 
Um, yeah, yeah, the eighties, the late eighties, actually nineties, because I was in high school in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, and it was a special time in New York City, and it's still a special time now. I think we're living in some of the best times. I mean, shit is crazy in all aspects, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, living in New York City and being at the center of, in essence, the world when it comes to fashion style politics yeah everything you know what i mean uh anything you can think of that moves culture in the world yeah it's happening here in new york it's true and you you kind of get a you know almost like a bird's eye view and you're mixed in with everything i mean a lot of kids they go to school and they think everyone looks like them and you're in new york and you hear tons of languages all sorts of things everyone looks different you're just you're like yeah this is normal done and that, and, that, and that was my Brooklyn Tech experience because Brooklyn Tech is a specialized high school. So excellent school. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a good school. Um, the majority at the time, and I mean now, I heard it's a, it's a higher population of Asian students. But okay. even but even back then, you know, there were very few black kids. Um, it was very diverse. Um, diverse and. I mean, in every sense of the word. For sure. You know, it was just a group of nerds. Put. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of nerds dropped in the middle of Fort Greene, Clinton Hill area of Brooklyn. And back then, it wasn't what it is today. Clinton Hills and Fort Greene, um, I mean, fairly decent, you know, neighborhood, upper middle class neighborhood now. But yeah. back then, it was all, you know, you were dealing with Fort Greene projects. God bless the guys from there. Right. And we, as the nerd temple, we were targets. <laughs> Dudes would come there like, oh, you know, um, attack the nerds. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So myself and some friends, we were from different neighborhoods. We weren't from, you know, uh, the suburbs. We didn't take the Long Island Railroad in the school. So we were from neighborhoods where it was like, oh, nah, get the fuck out of here. We're going to defend ourselves. <laughs> oh, it's not that kind of party. We're, we're, we're the nerds that are going to fight you, dude. Um, <laughs> And, 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 and how we separated ourselves as well. I mean, it comes to the neighborhoods that we came from, you know, I mean, Polo was at the heart of, you know, the movement. It's Polo, Tommy Hilfiger, Jabot, and all that. And right. so we were going to school with, you know, four or $500 sweaters. We were going to school, and we were definitely the standouts on the campus. And when we stepped out of school, we were definitely targets. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude's like, oh, word. $400 sweater, teddy bear, no doubt. <laughs> like, what was high school like for you? Um, High school was fun, man. I loved high school, loved college, but high school was for sure. I mean, you know, when people say college is the best four years of your life, but high school for sure was, you know, I had eight great years, four years of high school and four years of college. Right. Because you went um, to college here too, correct? I did. I went to Stony Brook and then uh, graduated from Stony Brook and then went off to uh, FIT for uh, about a year and a half. Right. Um, but the four years on campus at Stony Brook, they were great. They were excellent. Um, but four years in high school, oh, we had a shitload of fun. I mean, it was Brooklyn at its... Brooklyn is still good, but it was it was a special time, man. Right. Brooklyn was finding itself. It was Brooklyn. before the coffee shops and the Starbucks. And oh, yeah, corner. yeah. Before the, before the bike shops, before the messengers and the hipsters <laughs> and all of that. It was right. hardcore um hasidic neighborhoods right it was uh bensonhurst white neighborhoods super racist god bless bensonhurst you know um and then you had the caribbean neighborhoods crown heights is no longer all caribbean it's quite you know mixed the yep. platform is 80 or 70 percent white and you know some of the caribbeans are still there but we live next door to um of course kingston and nostrand where it was all hasidic mm-hmm. so crown heights was divided into the hasidic community and the Caribbean community. And I lived on, yeah, the Caribbean side, yeah. Right. <laughs> was it, I mean, and 
uh, when you came over here, was it just you? I mean, your family? Uh, family came over. We came over. We okay. landed in um, we landed in the Flatbush area of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lenox Road, East Forty Second, Snyder, that whole area. Yeah. Um, that scenes. I mean, Lenox for sure is seeing some gentrification. Lenox and Flatbush. But we moved from Flatbush to uh, Union and Franklin. So as a neighborhood, I claim Union and Franklin because that's where I spent the most time and you know even when we moved out of brooklyn because i lost my mom at the age of like 15 and a half to 16 yeah and grandma was like ah this brooklyn thing is cool but we're going out to the burbs and so we moved out to queens like my junior senior year in high school Uh, you said the burbs i immediately was like oh we went to long island long island nah queens Queens. that was the caribbean burbs (laughs) well long island was also the caribbean (laughs) suburbs because folks right you know that was the next step the family had a house in Long Island, and Grandma and I negotiated. Grandma, my sisters, and I negotiated between Queens and Long Island. You know, Brooklyn, because we, you know, I was still going to school in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to change school. It was like, nah, that's not happening. I'm not going to one of the zone schools out in Queens. I'm going to graduate from Brooklyn Tech. So Queens was, you know, in between Brooklyn and Long Island in that sense. So we went Queens. Right. But on the weekends, she tried to get us out to the family's house in Long Island. That was when I was like, nah, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I'm coming out of Brooklyn to hang out with the homies. And we'd come down to Brooklyn. Um, so I do claim Union and Franklin because I spent a lot more years on Union and Franklin. And even till this day, I still claim it as a neighborhood because that's, I'll go and get my haircuts there. I have family. I mean, folks that have become family in that right? sense. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to jump to the, the style and the Brooklyn mm-hmm. circus here. Mm-hmm. So you finish college. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you didn't jump right to Brooklyn Circus, though, right? I mean, what what was what was happening? What was that always the game plan? College. Uh, when I graduated from graduated from Stony Brook, I was uh, I started a promotions business, nightlife promoting business, promoting parties. Right. I was, I was the promoter on campus. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so we do parties, all types of different crazy parties, illegal. Ninety percent of them were illegal parties, but sure. they were the best <laughs> on campus. I also uh, sold. Uh, concert tickets on campus scalping so you were you were hustling, <laughs> hustling baby i'm from brooklyn <laughs> everyone knew that i was from brooklyn the dude with the style the dude with the swag and the character was like oh that's weege yeah he's from brooklyn yeah that's the brooklyn dude right there <laughs> it was clear i couldn't hide that i was from brooklyn on campus yeah constantly figuring out how to make a buck right i worked at the information desk on campus to meet, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was the the the, the 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 intersection of everything that was happening on campus, and I met girls and folks and people right at that information desk, <laughs> and I That's hustled that. Yeah, oh, so for what are you sure. Doing? I'm throwing this party. I'm doing exactly <laughs> like it was a week. I'm on the clock and I'm handing flyers or inviting you to the party. So and how does this how does this business grow? Because so the business so. Um, Shortly before I graduated, I went around campus, and this was before email. This okay. was right, you know, this is all snail mail. I went around campus with a composition notebook and took as many people's uh, names and address and telephone numbers right. as possible. And that was my mailing list. And so I kicked off this business off campus, because on campus, it's cool. You can send a blast. There was a phone system. You can send a blast, blah, blah, blah. But off campus, it was like, oh, shit, how do I get in touch with these right. people? I um. Got all their information. Some folks had email. This was right the earliest stages of email, you know, um, and started blasting, you know, rented out a club, 
designed a flyer and I wanted to be a graphic designer. I graduated with a degree in history and marketing and I was like, um, my goal was to become a graphic designer. I was really interested in graphics. I was yeah. a graphic, I was a design, um, actually a communication design major in high school. But because of, um, because I wanted to go to Stony Brook, I was at LIU as a TV production major. I was going to go that route. But then I was like, ah, LIU got too expensive. So I went to Stony Brook. I wanted to be on campus. I was like, all right, I'm going to negotiate between living on campus, being on campus and getting that campus experience mm-hmm. and my, and, and, and my degree or my major. Right. I was like, campus experience. <laughs> I looked at the list of majors, history, uh, African studies. Yep, that's my major. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, this looks good. This looks good. Now, listen, man, liberal arts, whatever it is, whatever I had to do to be on campus, I did. And so and it was the best decision. So you, so you go from there, and wh- where does Brooklyn Circus come in? So Brooklyn Circus came in, literally, I was in a nightlife for, um, so I graduated college in 98. So I was uh, freelance designing mm-hmm. and also promoting parties from 98 till about 2003. Okay. So in that time, um, we hosted quite a bit of events and I created this branded event. Um, my buddy actually had this branded event called uh, White Shirt Blue Jeans. And it was a party just as, you're, you're, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> you're in. <laughs> White shirt, great, but you're in. Okay. White shirt, blue jeans. And it was all about this, these dress themed. I mean, I was doing dress themed events before that, but his thing was, um, he, had this, he, had, he had an event of about 100 to 150 people that he was doing at a small venue. Right. And when I looked at the concept, I was like, shit, that shit is genius. Like, how do we scale that up? Because this he, was like the 1930s sort of. No, like, it wasn't even. It oh, was no. just, no, it was just, it's just regular parties. All right. Regular parties. The vintage in the 30s and 20s, that was my personal style. It was my personal thing. But in the Wait, business. you always had that? I, I was always into vintage. Okay. All I right. always into vintage. We'll put a pin in that and come to that later. Let's come go, let's stay that. on this. Sorry. Um, so we, um, so I, the event that he was doing, funny is how we kind of met was. Uh-huh. I booked an event at a club. It was the hottest club out there at the time. It was on the second floor of this building. It was special because you couldn't just walk in. You had to take an elevator up and boom, you walk into this club. It was like experience. (laughs) So we booked this event um, and the event overlapped with something that they were doing. And so the owner was like, oh, you should call Ouija and his gang. They do some pretty dope events. Their events always sell out. Speak to them, um, blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys, he was actually a model for Tommy Hilfiger. And he was a buddy of mine. He was like, oh, Weege, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could call him. We get him to work with us. Like, all right. He called me. He's like, oh, dude. Blah, blah. And I'm like, nah, not interested. Oh, snap. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> nah, dude. I'm expecting, you know, 1,200 people. You guys are doing this event. That's cool. And blah, blah, blah. But it opened up the door for me to now um, connect with the guy that had created the white shirt, blue jeans concept. Oh, uh, okay. And I was like, all right. What you guys are doing is cool. I'm not interested in partnering with you, but that dude, I like his style. And he was super stylish at the time. He was dope. He was older than us. He was stylish. Al, um, Al used to dance for Kwame, hip hop. So Al traveled the world. Al was that dude. Wow. <laughs> he was just super cool. <laughs> and so I was like, we need to recruit that dude. And so we and the guys got together and strategized to recruit Al. And when Al left them, <laughs> he brought over white shirt, blue jeans, which the white shirt, blue jeans at the time was at 150 people in a small venue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that event needs to be at a bigger venue and we need to scale that up. And we scaled it up to like 4,000 people, 5,000 people a year later. 
Right. And we did Hammerstein Ballroom. I mean. Oh, jeez. Huge. They literally, one event that we did at Hammerstein Ballroom, it, there were so many people that couldn't get into the event, like maybe 800 people couldn't get in. We're like 5,000 people inside, 800 can't get in. They blocked off uh, 7th and 8th Avenue. I mean, 34th Street, 8th and 7th and 8th Avenue. No cars come oh on the block. We were, and we were in our 20s, dude. So um, I did that for a few years, and I got to the point of where I felt, you know, uh, I had reached, uh, you know, sort of a point where it's like, okay, where are we going to go with this? It's either we're going to go into real concerts, promoting concerts, mm-hmm. hiring acts. We hired, you know, DJs and some acts came on because the parties were so infectious that, you know, we've had Foxy Brown and a bunch of other folks just come in and attend the party and grab the mic and perform. People are like, oh, shit. Jeez. So Your life's a movie. No, it's just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but short end of it all is I got to a point and I was like, there's nowhere else for me to go. Right. You know, I wanted to do it professionally. Most of the promoters in the game had day jobs. And I'm like, dude, I'm surrounded by folks that are not going to retire in this. So where am I going with this? Right. I was like, dude. You know, if somebody can do an event that's more infectious than this event that we produced, that we were known for, or can do bigger parties than us, I'll come out of retirement. But for now, I'm retired. So I retired from the nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> and went back and went into gra- graphic design in full time. Okay. And so, so meanwhile, you're, you're into vintage. You're, you know, you are running this party party like See, promotion promotion group. business yes and crew, yes. you're basically hustling you're at kind of the top of your game and you walk away walk away and you're like hey i got an idea what if i do a retail con- retail store no what happened is oh snap i was i was living in bed right. i had a um i had a studio in my home right and an office studio graphic designing for the nightlife because oh, okay. you know, we were designing, and, and the brand that we created, the company was called Ramsey Racing. We created a brand where people, when they saw the flyers, they knew the events. They, I mean, everything about it was super branded. Yeah. And folks literally got ready, you know, weeks in advance for the events that we were hosting. Um, so a lot of other promoters came to me like, yo, dude, can you do what you've done with your business for us? And so I started taking on and also consulting. Exactly. Early on. Bingo. Get that 1099. Exactly. (laughs) So I started doing that and I was doing that for um, some restaurants and clubs as well. Designing, you know, things for them and blah, 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 because they wanted to attract the crowd that we were bringing in. They were like, oh, shit, folks, let's say, for example, we hosted an event at um, American Park Cafe. It was a restaurant by day Mm -hmm. and night, you know, um, event space by night and they were like oh how can you help us draw this client during the day you know look at this you've got two thousand people here if we can get 10 percent of these people to come to the restaurant during the day yeah there you go we're in a game so i started doing that with different venues um and i didn't want to work from home any longer you know i was designing from home promoters would come to my house and i'm like ah you know i had a pretty yeah, dope yeah, yeah. Uh, loft type of a brownstone and i was like ah I need a space. I want to, I want to start a design agency. And so a good buddy of mine, um, he was driving around. He was, in, he was in this neighborhood. He was driving around and ran into this space. Okay. This is 2003. And he's like, yo, Weej, I think I found a space for you. It shouldn't be that expensive. It's downtown Brooklyn for you to, you know, open up your graphic design business. And put together a business plan, got in touch with the landlord, blah, blah, blah. Boom, it worked out, and I got the space. My office was back here. It was back there. The office was, I mean, the office was in the back. I had right. a small office in the back. 
And the front was open and I was working on recruiting graphic designers to work for me. And I was going to pitch Timberland, Nike. We wanted a design firm. You so know it was I mean? never about clothes at it the beginning. It was never about clothes in the beginning. I had a, I had a, I had a, when we launched the promotions business, it was to promote this motorcycle apparel line, apparel line that I produced. But then it quickly became, you know, um, nightlife party and events. Then I was like, ah, I'm going to go back into clothing. Mm-hmm. But when I started designing, I mean, or, or kept designing as a freelance designer, most of my clients were nightlife folks. And I got to a point where I was like, ah, I'm not going to do the clothing thing anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and um, have this design firm. Right. Boom. Get the space. <laughs> I'm in the back designing. My buddy shows up again. He's like, yo, Weege, man, you need to get back into clothing. You need to, you know, design some t-shirts and put, put them in the front. I'm like, dude, I don't even want to deal with people. Like, do you want to make money? You want to make money? He's <laughs> like, dude, let's make some money. You can make more money. You can make money, of course, designing for other folks. Yeah. But you can also make money by selling product. I'm like, dude, I don't even want to deal with folks. Yeah. People I don't buy the- t-shirts on a net 30, though. No, no, they you got to You got to do- <laughs> cut the check right here. Get it, buddy. <laughs> There's no invoicing in that. Like, yo, cut the check. Yeah. And so I, um, and he was like, dude, you should, you should design some stuff and put it out. You got this whole space. I'm like, nah, that's where my designers are going to be. My office is going to be in the Ooh, back. Okay. My designers are going to be up here and I'm going to come out and review what they're doing and boom, boom, boom. We're going to invoice whoever it is, big company. Yeah. We're going to have a design firm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude is like, uh, Weege, I think you should think about retail, man. You know, you're doing yourself and the industry a disservice because you have the taste, you have this and you, you know, he kind of pumped me up. He was like, yo, what, the way you think and the way you see things, there's none of that in the industry. And I was like, ah, come on, dude. It's this is still true. It, it has to be. Come on. Nah, I don't <laughs> think so. And he's like, all right, come to the trade show. It's like, all right. He's like, just come to the trade show and just come and check out what's out there. I was like, all right, cool. So he took me to a trade show. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I can do better than that. Really? That's what this dude and this dude is popping? Oh, Okay. And I kind of saw the void in the lane, and um, I opened up and I opened up a clothing store. It was called One Race. So I bought a couple of things, curated. Excuse the curse word, but uh, <laughs> I put together a couple of brands, and we started doing uh, selling some things. Mm-hmm. And a good buddy of mine was managing um, a rapper at the time by the name of Fabulous. Two buddies of mine. I know who that is. F-A-B-O. <laughs> Shout. Um, and I started working on this collection uh, of, of ideas and thoughts based on our experience uh, in the 90s of Polo right. and Street and Brooklyn. And I created this brand. And he came, he came by one day in Bed-Stuy. He was like, yo, Age, I'm going to come by. I have this idea I want to share with you, blah, blah, blah. We're thinking about getting into clothing. I was like, all right, cool, cool. I've been working on some things too. He's like, hey, uh, what do you think about creating something that, you know, kind of references, you know, our 90s history and low and blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? Let me show you something. Right. I opened up my laptop and I showed it to him. He's like, oh, shit, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dude, you took that right out of my head. I was like, ah, word. Called my called his partner Cheo, who became my partner. We all went to high school together. Myself, Cheo, and Webb went to high school together. Okay. And he was like, "Dude, we got to get Fab on. We need to get Fab to sign on because he's the mouthpiece. He's the marketing angle, right?" And we showed it to Fab. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm down." <laughs> we became partners. We had a brand called Rich Young. 
Dang, that we how did. many businesses that you were doing this time? <laughs> I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just want you to know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it. So we launched Rich Young, and that did really well. Right, really, really well. We got a manufacturing deal. Signed on to that. Took it up to millions of dollars, and then the whole shit collapsed because I told. I mean, I you know, God bless the situation, but I was like, guys, we need to work on the brand we need to work on you know making sure that we're thinking long term and not just chasing these dollars blah 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 because yeah. it's going to collapse it's going to collapse yeah and in that process um i then launched the brooklyn circus shortly after because we closed one race i had two partners in that we closed one race um i had literally 72 hours to decide if i was going to stay in retail because i was almost you know i was at the point i was like dude go back to design and Stick to the agency idea. Stick mm-hmm. to the agency idea. Um, and in that time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give retail another shot. Right. As Brooklyn what, Circus. As the Brooklyn Circus. What do you have on your wall? A cheesy skyline picture from Bed Bath & Beyond? Time to upgrade. Check out Canvas Pop. Canvas Pop has become my go-to site for framing photos. Whether it's from a phone, Instagram, digital camera, or even Facebook, I've been using Canvas Pop to frame everything and create the ultimate personalized gift. My favorite is their photo collages. You can use up to 36 different photos to create a beautiful Canvas collage, and their site offers an instant preview, so you can be sure you're getting the right thing laid out the right way. So if you're looking for a one-of-a-kind personalized gift for a loved one, check out Canvas Pop. Right now, they're giving all Blamo listeners 50% off with a minimum order of $100 with code BLAMO50 at checkout. So visit canvaspop.com and get your order in now. Be sure to order by December 17th to guarantee your beautiful print before the holidays. So order now and don't buy a dumb gift certificate from Amazon. You know who you are. Get something special from Canvas Pop. First off, I got to apologize because I walk in and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, he was from Haiti. This is going to be great. He's got this cool story. He's a hustler. And then he does Brooklyn Circus. I mean, you did like 15 other businesses. We did all types of other shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. So at Brooklyn Circus, and it sounds like your style more or less, at least since I've known you, and, and I've more or less seen you or have known of you for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've always had this really killer, classic 1930s, sort of 1940s aesthetic, you know, like old school, I hate this word, but like the Ivy sort of Sure, thing. sure, sure, sure. Before Ivy, it was sure, really yeah. bad. Right, 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 right. But you've right. never changed. Right. And it's right. like very classic, simple, like elegant style, and it mm-hmm. looks great on you. Yeah. Were you always... In, I mean, were you always in that realm? Well, I mean, if you, if, you, if, if you look back at, you know, some of the first things that I was exposed to when I came in the country was, you know, sort of a, you know, collegiate Ivy lifestyle. It was, I mean, as, as Haitians, we are always, I mean, education is at the center of any Haitian family, rich, poor, middle class or whatever. Mm. You know, and I came from, you know, a really good situation in Haiti where we were driven to school. We had housekeepers, maids, really good situation. Then I landed here and it was like, okay, cool. Um, here in America, it was like, oh, you're black American. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. I'm cool with that. But hold on. Education, where's, the, where's that part? Like dressing the part? I had to, you know, for me, it was all about, you know, um, looking the part, dressing the part. You know, I was fine with, you know, not being Haitian, you know, because 
when you landed here, it was like, oh shit, it's a black dude. He's a black dude. You know what I mean? He's oh. black. He's you're black. You're African American, and this is what black African Americans do. Right. You know, but at home I was Haitian, and before I left the house, my mom was like, "Nah, you're not gonna go out there looking like that because you're looking like all these other black dudes." Oh, that's like, oh shit! All right, cool, makes sense. So what is? So I found I think the polo movement was the right mix for me, right? Because it gave me the opportunity to be black, and yet be proper and collegiate and da, da 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 and look the part and walk out the house or 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 see my mom and my mom would give me the the check and she was cool with that you know if i had a sweater around my neck or teddy bear sweater on with a with an oxford shirt under it was like oh yeah that's cool go right little did she know that that was like you know dudes were getting killed out there for that look (laughs) (laughs) that was actually more black than anything you know what i mean because to her it was like oh that's proper then i walk outside and 30 other dudes are dressed sort of like me in a sense and it was like the polo boom and dudes were stealing the shit and blah 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 and they were like that's the look and for her it was like nah that's proper i like that right you know what i'm saying (laughs) your so your style is in a lot of ways i would say like for you know, some people they can kind of just go in and out and wear whatever they want to want mm-hmm. wear whatever they want to wear, but they're like, "No, that's not me. I'm this." But in your case, it sounds like your style was you, and it was your opportunity to be Haitian and black and at the same time. Yeah, at the same time, I, mom was happy and the streets were happy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wait, you're cool. And, and yeah. It sounds like you, you've you've stayed with and it was that different. And it's done you really well. Yeah, yeah, and it was different at the time because it was like, um, it wasn't you know. Folks were wearing all types of other things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cross colors and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, we were just a special group of kids from Crown Heights, you know, um, who were very aspirational, uh, who were aspirational and cool and true to, you know, uh, who they were. Because it was like, dude, I want to look better. I want to feel better. I want to go to places. I remember going to the Polo Mansion for the first time. And it was like, yeah, I could do this. Right. Yeah, I'm 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 okay with being in here. Right. And you know, we were 15, 16. You know, allowance money, all types of singles in our pockets counting it out to buy a $170 jacket or to buy a $50 teddy bear hat. Singles, one, two, three. <laughs> no credit card like who's <laughs> <laughs> giving your credit card right. or a checkbook to buy. It was all singles like boom 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 we're counting it out. But we were comfortable in that environment. Little did we know, it's like as soon as you walked in the store, people were like Keep an eye on these kids, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh God! How you doing, guys? All right, good to see you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, I know where I'm going. I know where to go and get this jacket. Uh, I know where. Yeah. <laughs> I knew every floor, every section. Like, I'm looking for this and this color at this. Yes, no, that's not yes, right. Yes. And this was before <laughs> the internet, and it was all you know magazines. We had tears. We pinned things up on our walls, or we saw other kids, the older kids, you know, the 19 year olds and the 20 year olds wearing certain things. So like, oh shit, what is that? Right. Wow going to the polo mansion to go see what that <laughs> <laughs> so so you launch brooklyn circus mm-hmm. you're you're 06. doing a retail store in 06 mm-hmm. and here's the thing the internet blows up and you blow up more or less mm-hmm. in like you know 2008 2009 mm-hmm. and now you're like soaring because mm-hmm. the interesting thing is so in new york it, for me it sounds like you were kind of the ringleader of your crew mm-hmm. you had the style you were the cosign for everyone and I think one of the things that's happened since the internet has happened, a lot of people from, from my perspective, which 
probably stupid anyway, but like <laughs> you become this pillar of to not just the style community, but also the black community oh, for sure. of how to look mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. you can look like, uh, you know, this, the African gentleman, but also that it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. white dudes in your store, you got black mm-hmm. dudes in your Absolutely. store. Absolutely. Always. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. this identity that you build is something that I don't think anyone has really ever been able to do because a lot of times <clears throat> And again, this is just from what I've seen. Some of these companies, they'll start their business and they don't immediately think or realize that like, okay, I'm going to be for all the communities, including my own. They're just like, well, I'm not going to think of that because mm-hmm. I'm a white guy mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm not going to think of that, you know? Yeah, and right, so you right, don't, yeah. you don't give anyone the opportunity to do that. And I think one of the really beautiful things about Brooklyn Circus is you become more than a clothing company. You become right, a right, club. Right, 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 right. I mean, the diverse, I mean, it's a circus. <laughs> I mean, how, how, I mean, this, this, the, circus, the, the circus in and of itself is a place for diversity. Like, where all the weird kids and all the odd kids and even the regular kids who are okay with the weird kids and the odd kids, <laughs> you know, can hang and chill. You know, and that's what it was, for me, it was so important to create that kind of an environment because that was always at the center of, you know, who I was. You know, I went to a bilingual school, you know, um, right. we were literally bust, and I realized that years later, we were bust out of our community. Mom made sure that we were bust out of the community because the zone schools were, you know, we lived in a black neighborhood. The zone mm-hmm. schools weren't that great. Sure. Bust out to go to another school, and the school was made up of kids that came from Haiti, kids that came from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, and other kids that didn't necessarily speak English. And English was their second language, and the school was equipped to kind of push them as quickly as possible to then attend Brooklyn Tech four years in, like master English, master American culture, and then move on to you know a specialized high school. And they, they sent a lot of kids to Ivy League schools and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> But for me, diversity was always important. You know, I, I, came, from a, I came from an all-black country, mm-hmm. all-black, to then, you know, 1% other, but, no, yeah. you know, it's a black, country, a black country. It's an all-black country to now coming into America. And it was like, okay, you are different within that black group, but how do you adjust and bring everyone together to help everyone understand that it's more about what we have in common than, you know, uh, uh, different, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and I always managed to do that in any circle that I would get in. It was more about like, yo, what are we going to connect on versus disconnect on, you know? And I Close. did that. Yeah. Clothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Clothing. Right. Uh, interest. I mean, anything. So sure. that, that was always at the center of what I did. And so when I launched the Brooklyn Circus, it was like, of course, you're the dude that's going to bring all the different people together together. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you, you're in Japan. Mm-hmm. you're in you're on the west coast you're on the east coast mm-hmm. you're not really just yeah you are a guy from brooklyn and a mm-hmm. brooklyn hustler but you're like an international icon now mm-hmm. I, uh, no i'm serious like how <laughs> you know i mean because what there was a fo- there was a billboard of you in japan uh, yeah, yeah when you had yeah, your beard yeah yeah, yeah. the bearded <laughs> times man i've, I've yeah. enjoyed I've, i mean the bearded days i've enjoyed i mean um the beard is off I it just is kind of you know just got to for me it was like okay what's the next chapter you know i came mm-hmm. in the came into the business in 2003 launched the brooklyn circus and that was you know because we were so branded as the brooklyn circus and we were really out there um created this bearded man character and blah blah, blah and it was and i was known as that um yeah. but i got to a point where it's like okay now and now what 
and now what? You know what I mean? Sold a shitload of t-shirts, ton of varsities, tons of hats, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, now what, Ouija? Where are you headed? What's next? You know? And if you are really to play out this 100-year plan, you need to move on to the 100-year plan? 100-year plan. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what now? What's next? What's next for you? How are you challenging yourself? How are you challenging the people that, you know, see you as this, you know? Yeah, I mean, you source got a lot of inspiration. Of, yeah, there's the bar is really high, and but it's Always. with all due respect, it's your fault because you said it fault. there. It's absolutely my fault. You know what I mean? And it was because it's, I mean, because the earlier days, the pressure of like, so, oh, when are you doing this? What are you doing that, man? You should open up a store in Soho, man. Come on, man. Why are you on that street over there, man? You guys are past that. Ah, Weege, what's oh, up, geez. man? Where's the Bentley? Are you, dude? I'm sorry. A hundred year plan. So that when you see us and you see us, we're still on the block. We're like the tree or the oak tree. Just, you don't even see when it's growing, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just well, it's so there. it's a fixture. What is that plan, if you don't mind? Um, you know what? Because I mean, I mean, you're, you're doing well from what I've yes, seen and from blessed, what I hear. Blessed. It's, it's well means, you know, staying up late nights, still working. I still enjoy the work that I do. I love to design. I love to meet people. My first love is people. I mm-hmm. love people. I love culture. I wasn't a designer or in the clothing business, I'd probably own a gallery to again connect with artists and more people, or I'd probably be an anthropologist just to be out there. And- Jeez. <laughs> well, and in terms of the gallery, I mean, I think maybe the first time, I mean, this was years ago, mm-hmm. but when I went to Brooklyn Circus, mm-hmm. you had a we gallery. Did, yeah, we, yeah we, still, we still yeah, do have a have running one. gallery. Um, I do collect art, love art and people and, you know... Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, those are some of the things. And maybe film. I'm looking to get into film, mm-hmm. uh, media. I mean, it's again just to, to 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 get a better understanding of people and how people move and how people communicate and how they share news and report news and all that. Um, film. We're working on a small documentary. I'm running my mouth. Um, we're working on a small documentary. No, this is fine. I cut you <laughs> off if you're doing the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> so I mean, all of the things that I uh, love or. Uh, became interested in mm-hmm. i you know i mean it's because again it's the brooklyn circus it's a circus so i yeah. can actually use the circus as a platform to entertain those things and the circus has been just that speaking of the a circus board of shit i would <laughs> love to get your opinion on the current state of mm-hmm. i mean i've said this and talked to other people about this mm-hmm. right now in general i feel like you know fashion and you kind of for me i feel like i want to put it into a box i want to understand it i want to let it sit in that box and then i can figure out my life and then you know take it on from within the box and now everything is cool i'm wearing kirkland signature shoes and those are cool Mm -hmm. i'm wearing visvin boots those are everything is cool cool. and okay and accepted now and i feel like for myself that it's almost not okay i don't know i'm not looking for three for for free therapy right Right. now but i kind of (laughs) am i mean because fashion right now is just all over the map sure sure the world is all over the map. I mean, the current that's state man. of, yeah, everything is just a big <laughs> fuck fest in yeah. that sense. But you and your, I mean, you have to hone in to who you are and figure out. Cause right, and I said this to a buddy of mine earlier. Um, I was like, you know, the first 30 years of your life, uh, for some people it's 25, but for me, the first 30 years of my life was just to, you're figuring out things. You're trying to please this person, that person. All right. Like, you know, oh, people say, oh, you're blah, 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 and you're trying to live up to that and so on and so forth. But then the next 40 or 50 years are all about you versus you. You know what I mean? It's like 
It's you against you, not you against the world, not you. It's you versus you. You know what I mean? You're up against yourself and you have to figure out like, who are you? What are you willing to commit to? What are you okay with uh, not having access to? Or what are you okay with sharing and blah, blah, blah. It's you versus you. I mean, for me, and that's what it's been, you know. Um, really, I'm at the point in my life where it's like, you know what? Uh, I look at the world in that sense. Like like you said, you know, everything's cool. Everything, this is that. Dude comes up and he has 100,000 followers and he's cool. And I look at that and I'm like, why do you think it's uncool? You know what I mean? Like, what I immediately nitpick everything. I oh, me too. And but, like, but then I look back cool. and I'm like, but but then I look back and I'm like, you know, what is it about you, Ouija? Like, it's something in you. It's you. Are you facing yourself? Because if you're not allowing that kid to do what he wants to do, because you were that kid 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, why are you nitpicking? You know, if you work for me and you're in house, I'm going to nitpick the shit out of you. But if you're someone else, I'm like, do you, man? Yeah. Go for it. You know, everything's cool. Back in the day, you know, you couldn't compete with, you know, which is good. You know, you couldn't compete with the Nikes of the world. You couldn't compete with Levi's. You couldn't compete. You couldn't copy Levi's. You couldn't, co- you know, it was biting. Now you can. Now they're knocking on your door. They're knocking on your door. They want to collaborate. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? But, you know, it is what it is and everything's cool. And um, they're seeing that. And they're like, oh, that dude's cool. How do we get him an out campaign? How do we work with him? So there are, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities that come from this chaotic concept of everything's cool like oh this dude can show up at the show and have a few skews of uh boots and he's like he's a boot maker because he spent six months with you know this dying boot maker you know what i'm saying (laughs) this is true (laughs) (laughs) or he's a designer you know like okay all right let's just see and i always say to myself like you know time will tell you know if this dude's serious he'll be around and if he's not is what it is. Cool lasts for so long, you know. You yeah. have to dig in and find out, you know, like find the true essence of what it is that you want to contribute to this whole thing. Yeah. yeah there's tons of shit, man. I mean, you know, the 80s, we produced Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, and a lot of shitty, you know, Stetsasonic, a lot of shitty groups. I mean, God bless all of them. Um, but it's the same thing that's happening now. We can't look at things now. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't really look at them now. We have to step back and say, okay, let's see what it looks like. Let's see what the landscape looks like. Yeah, in 10 years from now. 10 years from now. You sure. know what I mean? Let's see who's 100 still. 100-year plan. 100-year plan. There you go. And, that's, and that was always my approach to everything that I did. And it was like, you know what? Because this stuff, you know, you can really, you know, folks can see you as like, oh, you jumped on the varsity bandwagon. No, we actually produced varsities beforehand. And when varsity. You're like, uh, no, no, no. With all due respect, I started oh. the varsity. <laughs> You're on no, my no. bandwagon. It's all right. Because it was collegiate. It. And it yeah. was like, you know, it was, it was proper. It was, you know. Yeah. No one ever shows up in a varsity jacket and you're like, yeah, he's a thug. That's true. <laughs> he's an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good kid. He's still on the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one of the last few things I want to discuss is you had, I think you had said to the Times that you're, um, what Brooklyn Circus is doing is that you were refining and elevating, what was it, like urban? Refine, refining the urban image. I had a meeting with Jay-Z. I said we were redefining urban. He was like, nah, urban's been defined. You're refining it. It's like, oh shit, thanks, Jay. <laughs> Jay Z, what up? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, just refine, refine, refine the urban image, refine, because that's what we were doing. And he was right, because when you look at urban, you know, in, in in a sense of what urban is, if it's I don't know, black pop culture or pop culture, it's just we were refining it, you know, because mm-hmm. we were tucking our shirts in didn't mean that we were, you know, we were tucking our t-shirts into our jeans or into our chinos. Didn't mean that we were 
defining Irving. We were refining it, you know? Right. Um, when we changed fits on the varsity jacket and it wasn't as boxy as, you know, your, 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 your dad's varsity jacket, we were refining it. And so over the years, I've made it a point to continue to just refine what we're doing, refine where we are and mm-hmm. um, the environment. And, you know, when guys come into the Brooklyn Circus, when they leave a year or two or three, you know, uh, they ultimately leave refined. And when I leave this earth, I ultimately hope to, you know, hope to have inspired people to be a refined version of themselves. And I know I would have been a refined version of myself. That man, that's really beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. So you have a lot of people who have I know have come up to you kind of looking for advice, looking for the next steps. Like you, you said you're kind of this Oak tree in the neighborhood in a sense. Yeah. You're also kind of like father sage advice. Um, (laughs) I mean, I had tons of people emailing me trying to get like, be like, you should talk to Ouija for the pod. Oh, is that right? Oh, wow. I mean, you were way up there. Oh, and yeah. Cause like, I was like begging Brian Davis. Shout out Brian Davis. Shout out Brian. We love Brian. (laughs) Love, love, love Brian, man. That's my guy. Wooden sleepers, man. He's doing it well. He is. He's doing a damn good job. A lot lot of that is because of like, you know, you inspiring this this entire community of And I think he's refined. I mean, he's an example of refinement, you know, because when you look at how he merchandises his store and his style and everything, it's like, thank you. You know yeah. what I mean? Thank you, because vintage space at one point, you know, we really got into it. Um, there was a, you know, small group of people that were doing the vintage and you know, from inspiration to blah, blah, blah. Um, it was just uh, a lot of shit. A lot of stuff. <laughs> Dope shit, but it's like you right. had to have the a eye to really. A lot of noise. Yeah, There's a lot of I stuff. Agree. And, you know, it was poorly merchandised. People just there to hang out. What I love with what Brian did was he created a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shout out to Jamie as well. Um, he created a brand from Orange Pancakes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the name of the store? Or that's the or Instagram. No oh, fudge, Jamie. Jamie, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> again, you know, I think Brian did a really good job with that. And if we're gonna stick to Brian, uh, created a brand, mm-hmm. uh, created a way to merchandise his store that was in sync with his brand. Yeah. And continued to build, you know, like I, I, I would walk around the streets with a wooden sleepers t-shirt or a bag and feel no way. It was like, shit is dope. Yeah. Because the brand feels good and, and it's all vintage, but it feels good and it's done well. And I, I think agree. the vintage space absolutely needed that, you know. Yeah. Shout out to my other project, Daily Newsboy. <laughs> you know what's that. gonna be hard it's gonna be hard when i do when i finish this pod and then i gotta list you like all the things that you did i just break the character count right 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 right, right. Um, so i just i have one one last question we're gonna wrap up um you know like i was saying you have become this sort of sage advice to all these people um what are you what are you telling these folks that are that are coming up to you looking for that because I think one of the things is a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is to mm-hmm. get to where you're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're great at telling your story because, you know, I didn't hear too much, you know, strife in terms of, of all the, the crap you had to go through to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were hustling since day one. Day uno. Yeah. I'm from Haiti, man. We are. I think we have the largest um, entrepreneurs per capita right. in the world. I mean, I mean, of course, parts of Africa, Nigeria is coming sure. close, Ghana, but it was, you know, Haitians will buy shit and flip it. (laughs) (laughs) 
see my mom traveling the world and buying stuff and selling, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, and I, I guess that's where I get it from. And then I grew up with an aunt of mine who was a seamstress. So right. it's a bit of all of that. But at the end of the day, um, we will buy things and pop up a store. We, we were, I mean, I think we invented the pop up. Because if you go to Haiti and I invite you to Haiti, I mean, open invitation, right. got a place for you to stay, got a driver, you go around town, we could do some podcasting in Haiti. <laughs> but uh, you will see that Haitians invented the concept of pop-up. Oh, yeah. Everyone does sure. a pop-up now. Let's listen, test this space. Let's, let's do a pop-up. Haitians will pop up. <laughs> listen, you go to Haiti and you'll see. You're like, oh, shit, that's a pop-up. Dude, but that's my property. You can't do a pop-up on my property. <laughs> <laughs> You can't open up your little shoe store on my grounds. Beat it. All right, all right. He'll pop up across the street. Dude is selling shoes or he's repairing shoes. Right. Pop up repair shop. Literally. I so, think we invented the pop up. This is the last thing. Are you going to do, or maybe not that you need free advice, but it sounds like what you could <laughs> do is, is uh, you could just run your own sort of entrepreneurial university for folks. Oh, that's, that's an idea, man. I'm like, you know, folks have told me to write books and so I'm like, dude, I, you definitely I'm, should write something. Oh no, man, I'm only, maybe, maybe only been 15 people years, get stuff man. from the pod, but give me like, another 15 years, you know, maybe when I'm 30 years in and you know, I got grays on the top and not just in the beard, you know, <laughs> I still feel young. I still feel like there's a whole lot more to do. Um and no no books yet. So this is a little project. I don't know if you've seen that before. Daily News Boy. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen it, but you got yeah. fifteen thousand followers. It'll, it'll work it, man. <laughs> I need help with that. Maybe we could put out a plug for that. Yeah. I need writers, I need researchers, I need folks to help us grow that platform because I think the vintage space absolutely needs it. If everyone was performing or working at the level that Brian and Wood Sleepers and all these other guys um, we're thinking from a branding perspective and so on and so forth. Right. Um, I think it would totally be, you know, a better space, that old vintage American Americana. But, yeah. yeah. Classic American look. Classic American. I think uh, we need a media outlet. We need a platform. Right. Well, here's your opportunity. So, I mean, what we're, gonna, we're about to wrap up. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time. I'm not kidding. Your story is beautiful and it's incredibly inspiring. (laughs) And I love the fact that you're just like, yeah, I was hustling. (laughs) um, I am from the land of the pop-up and the entrepreneurs. (laughs) So um, is there any other stuff you'd like to add or mention or plug before we, before we wrap up? No, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited and you know, I can run my mouth. I hope I sound right recorded, but you know, it's all from the heart. It's, it's absolutely it's fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Weedy. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. You've been listening to Blamo. Special thanks to my guest, Ouija Theodore, for coming on. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like this episode, there's plenty more to dive into at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio, too. While you're at it, leave a review. It helps let others know and discover the show. Yes, I know I say this every week, but it really does help, so thank you very much. Also, thanks for the emails and reviews. I can't thank you enough for reaching out. If I haven't replied to you yet, I promise I'm going to get back to you, but feel free, keep sending me emails. If you want to get in touch, give me a shout on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. Thanks again, folks. We'll see you next week.